This is an ABC podcast. The year was 1914 and life on the land was hard. But one New South Wales man came up with an invention that would change agriculture the world over. And then he was largely forgotten. A hundred years later and a segment on Landline has changed all of that. Welcome to Three Bags Full, a Landline podcast. Updating you on the TV stories you loved. This is the story of Hedley Taylor and the Headley Header. G'day, I'm John Taylor. In February of 2014, Tim Lee went off to a festival in regional New South Wales. Tim, what was the festival about? John, it was sort of a field day, as agricultural people call it. It was uh, out in a paddock under a blazing sun and there was a big collection of vintage machinery, all belonging mostly to a, a local enthusiast, Kerry Peach, who we'll hear from in a moment. But but Kerry got the collecting bug years ago and over the years it went from balers for making hay right through to, to headers. When I dreamt about it one night, 12 o'clock, you wouldn't believe this, about 12 o'clock one night, I woke up and I dreamt about having a harvest day. I've got all these headers sitting in the shed. Nobody's ever going to see them. How much interest was there in this farm day? It was uh, one for the diehards. As I say, it was about a 41 or 2 degree day. There was a, just a ghastly whipping northerly blowing uh, under a blazing sun. And there was all these uh, real uh, stalwart old farmers, some of them on walking frames and wheelchairs, uh, in this blistering heat, all watching on avidly. No one moved. It was just, you know, standing room or, or sitting room only. It was as this cavalcade rolled by over the course of the day. Who was Headley Taylor? It's almost as though his name, Headley, uh, was a clue to what he would become. But he invented what was known as the header. Up till then, crops had been pulled out of the ground, essentially, and, and the grain, that, that you know, the crucial bit at the top, thrashed off with this machine. Headley Taylor came up with a machine that absolutely transformed agriculture because his machine actually chopped the heads off. It was a really big uh, advance, but it was a pretty hard kind of thing to do. So this is Milton Taylor. He's a relative of Headley Taylor. Storms go through, as they always do every harvest time, and anything that got flattened virtually became a write-off, a loss. You couldn't get any insurance on it or anything. And uh, Headley was well aware of this, and he, got, he convinced himself that, that it must be possible to make a machine that can go get those tangled crops off. He left school when he was 14 years old. He had uh, very little education, and he taught himself out of books on engineering and he built these uh, he built the original machine first the first one he built uh, wasn't a success that was in 1911 uh, uh, he got it out into the paddock into a crop and it just didn't work so he took it back to the workshop had a break for three weeks stripped the whole thing down to the axles and the wheels and started again and what he had was the ability with his device to raise and lower the bit that snipped the heads off the wheat is that right Dead right. It was a real uh, revelation in how it was done. In fact, the, the mechanism, that uh, revolving metal conveyor that lifts the grain, was still used up until pretty much the last few years. So it was an absolute invention way, way before its time. It's one thing to come up with an invention. I suppose it's another thing to have the economic muscle yourself to manufacture uh, an invention that you've made. And so enter then Australia's largest industrialist at the time, Yes, indeed. A guy called uh, Hugh Victor McKay. He was the largest industrialist in Australian history, essentially. 
There's a whole suburb in Melbourne called Sunshine, named after the Sunshine Harvester and his factory that occupied a great deal of land there in its heyday. When he saw Headley's header, he was just blown away. And, and the story goes that he saw it go around for a half a lap of the paddock and, and said to Headley, you've got yourself a lifetime job, come and work with me. When I did this story back in 2014, John, I, I caught up with a McKay descendant. Strangely, Dougald McKay lives just up the road from some of the tailors, and uh, this is what Dougald had to say about his great-grandfather. He bought the patents from Headley Taylor, but insisted that part of the deal was that Headley Taylor went and worked down at the factory and kept continuing to make Headley Taylor design machines with his uh, modifications to the strippers, which were much more efficient. So he went down there and he went on a two-year deal in 1916 and ended up staying to 1953 with no contract. He just stayed on. But then Headley Taylor was forgotten. Yeah, I guess it's uh, hard to say why. I, I know uh, Dougald McKay, uh, the great-grandson of, of H.V. McKay, does have a theory on that. He got a little bit swallowed up in the empire of the Sunshine Harvesting Company and the McKays and, he, and his recognition for what is truly some of the most innovative uh, things that happen in agricultural and harvesting equipment, got a little bit lost. So here you are then in 2014, you go along to this field day, which is really celebrating the genius, if you like, of Headley Taylor. And then there was a really a call to arms at the end of that original story in 2014. Very much, John. Uh, Kerry Peach, who ran this day, the... Uh, farmer fanatic with his extraordinary cavalcade of headers and machines down the ages, he almost set it off, off camera. You know, they make monuments of everything. Why can't they make a monument of Headley Taylor in front of a header? Why can't they do that? And four years later, it's happened. Yes, indeed. So it's really exciting to see what's come out of this story. At the time the story went to air, there was a, a call from the uh, the office of the Governor of Western Australia. Because we thought it was a joke. Kerry uh, Wells said, oh, you've got a call from the Governor of... W I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> he just said, oh, we'll get behind... how do we get behind this statue? I went, what? Wow. I'm <laughs> <That> being serious. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, I forgot all about it then. Until <laughs> I, you know. And I've learned a bit about uh, Malcolm McCusker since. He's a, a fine uh, QC and a story, and he just thought... My gosh, there's something in this. Let's get this thing rolling. So he's really uh, galvanised all these keen people, former farmers and, and Bruce Taylor, who's a, a great nephew of Headley. Uh, this all started from a landline program originally and someone said we should do a sculpture. And we said, why not? So, uh, yep, it's a long process. It's a long process to get it, to raise the, raise the funds till we knew we could get going and then to get the sculpture exactly right and uh, we went through a process of uh, selecting an artist and eventually we selected Paul and then uh, the work started with this, with the detail. And who is Paul? Paul Smith is a young and emerging sculptor. He's got the task of bringing this statue to life. What was Headley doing? What was he working on? Which dictates how he's interacting with the anvil. Is he bending steel? Is he hammering something on top of the anvil? Was he left-handed? Was he right-handed? What tools was he using? Was he using a small hammer or a large hammer? It's yeah, just dependent on really what he was doing at that time. And we decided that Headley was uh, working on a cog um, specific to the header harvester. 
This sounds like a costly undertaking. So it's been about a year in the making in terms of its design right through, uh, let alone the three or so years before with this push to make that or get that money raised. It'll cost uh, $85,000. That's, uh, yeah, and uh, we sort of had to get pretty close to that to uh, say, yes, go ahead. It's a great story, so the donations pour in when they see the story. What about old Kerry from the original story who suggested the idea of a statue or memorial to Headley Taylor? Was he consulted? I don't think he was. No, no, nobody, nobody said anything about it, and and they must have, they must have just it, what I said must have put something in somebody's mind, and they must have thought, you know, this this is probably a good idea, and and take it from there. How does Kerry feel about the statue? He's absolutely over the moon because he idolises what uh, Headley Taylor has achieved, and. and is like many people wondering, why don't we know more about this guy? Oh, I'm over the moon. I, I'm just so excited about all this. It's just it's just fantastic. I thought, you know, probably nothing will ever come of it, but I was just amazed at, at what they've done. Do you think there are any other forgotten Australian inventors out there that need a statue or, or have been, really been forgotten to time? Look, there must be, John. I guess we hear about the stump jump plough and there's, there's other things. I, I remember coming across this Headley Taylor story in a, about a one line in a book years ago. I might have been in my teens. And I said, who's this guy? You know? And it was said that it was one of the, world, the world's biggest advances in agriculture. So it always stuck in my mind. So when I heard there was to be a, a field day, you know, sort of commemorating Headley Taylor, I thought, my gosh, this is... Uh, Something we've just got to do. When's the unveiling of this uh, statue? It'll be uh, at Henty in southern New South Wales on the 12th of September. And there's a Henty Museum there, or the Headley Taylor Museum, which has the original workshop of Headley Taylor. And, and this statue will be plonked firmly out the front. So when you're driving through Henty, you'll see this statue of Headley Taylor. I like Headley Taylor's motto as well, which is on, I think, a harvester. Nil desperandum, Latin for never despair. I think that's kind of the the attitude you had to take. These guys are out in the paddock harvesting with no shade. <laughs> Pull, you know, horses pulling this stuff along. It was just dusty, unrelenting, hard work. Thank you, Tim Lee. John, thank you. And uh, Neil Desperandum, never give up. And I reckon we won't go a statue for you, Tim. We just might get you stuffed. <laughs> some might say it's already happened, John. <laughs> you can check out the original story, plus some great behind-the-scenes footage on the ABC Landline website, podcast or Facebook pages. Next week on Three Bags Full, hook, line and sinking. Hey, so are you prepared to risk your business, to risk your boat? I'm prepared to risk everything. And I'm telling Tony Burke, I will not be respecting his marine parts. If you like this podcast, please write a review. It'll help other people find us. And why not check out some of the others by the ABC, like Tall Tales and True. I'm John Taylor. Thanks to Fraser Barton for additional research and our series producer, Alina Bachkovsky. Trevor has contacted us. Landline, today on the TV show The Fox Story, your idiot board reader said the farmer had 4,000 acres. Later, he used the word acreage. 
Australia hasn't had acres or acreage for 50 years, since last century. Please drag yourselves into the 21st century and use correct English. Hectares and hectoridge. I guard the ABC is in a mess. Its standards of excellence have never been lower. It's time the entire management and production teams, along with your cucumber sandwich set board, were unceremoniously sacked. For crying out loud, get current, you ugly, sick America-influenced ignoramuses. Thanks, Trevor. And if you want to get in contact, email us at landline at abc.net.au or reach us on Facebook at Landline ABC.